Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Baker hits it straight to Clyde Wilson. Clyde Wilson, can he use his pace here? Wilson up against Fucha. He's turned in the wrong way. Can he get the cross in? There it is. He scored! It's Cody who scored! John Cody hits Chelsea in front. With just eight minutes left to play. It's Chelsea 2, Barnsley 1. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, I am pleased to welcome our guest on the show today. He made 19 appearances for the club, scoring three goals, and he played alongside the likes of Steve Clark, Pat Nevin and Kerry Dixon. Here is John Cody. John, welcome to the show. Bit of a mad one pre-recording, we'll probably talk about it during the show, but either way, how are you? I'm very well, Keith, thanks very much and thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure is all mine. Hopefully we'll have no issues my end with the laptop or any issues <laughs> okay. with any voices to come on halfway sure. through. I'd sure. like to start the interview, if I can, John, by asking sort of how I started with my other interviews is in terms of who or what influenced you to become a professional footballer in the first place? Oh, well, um I suppose like a lot of people, it was just uh, kind of a lot of it down to luck and being in the right place at the right time to become a professional. But um, again, started off as, as usual, playing on the streets with my buddies when I was a very young kid and just worked my way up through schoolboy football and then into kind of um, a medium um, uh, league. And then eventually a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine who was... Um, a member at Shamrock Rovers said, right, John, we're going to bring you up for a trial. Went for a trial. Everything went perfectly. And, yeah, and started from there, basically. And who would you say was your idols growing up as a kid? Uh, lots lots of home-based players here, uh, Shamrock Rovers players. Um, my favourite player in the world is Frank, a guy called Frank O'Neill. Uh, he came back from Arsenal, I think, uh, to Shamrock Rovers in the 60s. Uh, when we were growing up, we used to go to see him. He was an outside right, if people know what that was, is anymore. Um, he was absolutely sensational. Again, Mick Leach was the centre forward, always drawn to, drawn to the strikers, of course. So, yeah, pretty much they were my two at the time. Again, and I had an, an inkling for Liverpool at the time uh, when I was a kid, when I was a young boy. So, yeah, a few of those guys back in back in the, uh, the late 60s would have been idols of mine. Peter Thompson particularly played in my position, outside left, whom I loved. So, yeah. And was you able to go and see Shamrock Rovers on a oh, yeah, permanent yeah, basis? Absolutely. Yeah, 
every 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 second Sunday marching up to see them. Uh, they played in Sunday afternoons. Um, oh, fantastic times. So, uh, full houses back in the sixties. There was no no um, football on TV here in Ireland, so everybody just if you wanted to see live football, get up and support your local club. Yeah, it was uh, different to these days. Most definitely. I want to fast forward to 1986-1987. Yeah. You yeah. signed for Chelsea f- from Shamrock Rovers for around about yeah. £25,000. How did this move come about for you? Um, well, again, I, you only hear about it afterwards. You don't, you don't know when it's happening at the time. You know, well, I didn't anyway. So um, what I heard later on was that the, the scout in, in Dublin, the Chelsea scout in Dublin, um, but just kept sending reports and, and paper clippings. I've been going through a particularly good time, a good space in my season at that time. So he kept bombarding the club. He said, definitely come and have a look at this guy. Come and have a look at this guy. That's the, the uh, story I got. So eventually, I think uh, John Hollands, the manager, succumbed and said, right, I better go over. And the game he came chose to come and see was, wasn't was a Shamrock Rovers match. It was uh, an Olympic qualifier because we, as, as, as part-time professionals, we were allowed to enter the Olympics uh, qualifying phase. So we were playing uh, the Hungarians in, in our home patch in Milltown. And um, I played left full that night, uh, had, a, had, a, had a decent game. And after that, I think uh, the boss, uh, the, the Rovers boss came down to me during the following week and said they want to sign it. Because I believe as well, when I was doing my research on you, job that you was working as a postman. Uh, yeah, while you was working, right. while you was playing for Sherlock yeah. Rose, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, for sure. And then, when sort of this potential deal was going to happen, what was your initial thoughts on this? Was you thinking, you know, much about the future, what you was going to do if you was to sign for Chelsea, or was there? A lot of fault that went into. To no, no, I think that was part of part of my problem, Keith, is that it happened so quickly. It's like the first I heard of it about was about kind of early to mid uh, December, and I was gone before Christmas. I was I was living in digs in Rains Park, and um, so it was all so sudden. You don't have time to think about. Oh God, but what was this? One of my biggest issues was my girlfriend, who's now my wife. <laughs> How do we organise that? And you know, will we be able for a, a semi-long distance relationship if I'm living in London and she's here? So there was all these kind of things, and then of course the financial issue of living in London, which was at the time much more expensive than than Dublin. So there was lots of things to consider, but I again, hardly any time to sit down and have a proper think about it. So um, it happened really quickly. We went we, before I knew it. I was in Stamford Bridge with. Uh, Meeting uh, uh, John Hollands and um, and Ken Bates, the, the uh, chairman, and uh, boom, it was make your decision up there and then, and I did. So yeah, no thought hardly at all. It was just let's go. What were your interactions like with Ken Bates? Oh, I love Ken. <laughs> I know it gets an awful press, but um, he was very good to me. I have to say, he looked after me like in any time there was a payment due, he was straight on the ball. There was uh, the payments were made, so um, I I can't say a bad thing about him. And I can only go. You can only judge people by the way they treat you. I, you can get. You can, I'm sure other people have uh, slightly worse things to say about uh, Ken, but um, yeah, he was okay for me. And you mentioned John Hollins, who was. No. He was the coach uh, for Chelsea. Yeah. Did he have yeah. a chat with you 
sort of once you signed about his plans for you or even before you signed the deal, did he sort of say what he had plans for you going forward? Yeah, but in a very, very vague sense, it was like he says, yeah, we want you to play here initially. And then, yeah, and I said to Grant, so I thought it was going to be straight. I remember um, on your Boxing Day, ever since Stephen's Day, we were due to play Tottenham at, Ch- at Stanford Bridge. And I thought, right, I'm just going straight in here now and we're going to start playing. And that would, for me, probably would have been the best thing that happened because I am a confidence uh, kind of player. I need that to be involved. In, but anyhow, as it happened, it didn't happen until uh, Easter. So That's I had two right. or three months getting through the whole uh, playing for the Rezies. And uh, I suppose they weren't, they didn't think I was ready. So look, their opinion is different. A player always thinks he should be in the team, Keith. That's the way players are. So yeah, so I had to wait a while. Um, but he did say, yeah, watch for left full. Uh, we're going to play you there. And then they played me in left midfield on my for debut. <laughs> so, yeah. This, well, your debut, you came on against Blackburn in the full Members' Cup. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't, regard, I don't regard that as the debut. <laughs> well, now we'll talk about, we'll talk about your, uh, you'll talk about your first start. We'll talk about Right. Okay. Day. Yeah. Well, that's true. I did come on. Yeah. <laughs> You and the pitch I've quickly you. forgotten about, as you know, as you can see. <laughs> that fine is completely understandable. Yeah, that was a horrible match. Do you recall <laughs> you know, that moment when you was told by John Hollings that you would be at least on the bench against Blackburn and then being able to come on? What, what were your yeah. sort of emotions going through? I was very, very excited, of course, about it. You're, you're, you're doing something. It's a, it's a dream and come true, a schoolboy dream come absolutely true, which very few people get to have in, in, in a lifetime. So that's the way I try to explain it to people, is that like my dream since I was a young boy was uh, to play professional football. And to, for it to happen is was just... And then I had a club like Chelsea, again, huge club here in, in Ireland, uh, Chelsea, still are to this day. And um, oh, it was just, it was hugely exciting. Yeah, brilliant. Now your next appearance... Is what we'll, yes. we'll definitely be talking about. <laughs> a small matter of scoring your first goal for the club in a West London yeah. derby against Queen's Park yeah. Rangers. That's oh, not a bad a way to introduce yourself to the Chelsea faithful, is it? No, what a day. What a day. <laughs> now, it was just unbelievable. But even uh, you were saying about explaining about the plan, be pre- my pl- plan previous to joining Chelsea, I didn't even know I was going to be playing on the day like Holly just didn't tell me till almost Friday. He says, "John, you're going to be start tomorrow." And I go, like, oh, "Thanks, that's great. Give me a load of time to prepare." <laughs> but anyway, it was brilliant. The only the only shit thing about that, Keith, was that the pitch. Do you remember the pitch at the Loftus Road that used to be the plastic one? That's right. Oh, oh my! Well, it was a, basically a concrete slab with a piece of green baize put over it. It was just like a snooker table. It was horrible. But uh, yeah, um, the goal came along. I started. I started well, and then the goal came along. They scored first, and then I think the previous one, the um, the previous season, uh, Chelsea got do- drubbed five nil at Loftus Road yeah, or something. Yeah, they got so spanked. There, there was, before, yeah. yeah. There was lots of um, lots of nervousness around uh, QPR taking the lead, but uh, yeah, I was managed to score an equaliser, and we got out with a point. So yeah, uh, it was a fantastic day. Yeah, I was high as a kite, as you can imagine. 
and what did your teammates make of it? You know, again, new kid on the block. He scores yeah, against QPR. Yeah. QPR. Did you get a lot of... Yeah, oh, they, were, well, I think, uh, they seemed to be quite happy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, never really asked about it. But yeah, um, it was fantastic. Uh, afterwards, got lots of congratulations and whatever from the lads. So yeah, I think they were happy enough. And from there, you did have a good run in the side. You know, did you you was you you starting quite a, quite a few games although the yeah. Chelsea results were quite inconsistent. But yeah, for you personally, was you happy that you it took you a while to get into the side, but then yeah. then you was in it. Yeah, you you must have been pleased as punch to sort of have that consistent running in the I- team. Absolutely, yeah, because that's that's there's no point in getting one match here and one match there. What you're looking for is consistency, and that's as I say to you, that's the way uh, my personality is. If I get a, if I get, if I know that I'm going to be involved, which I always was with uh, with Holly, uh, going to be involved in the training and the, and the first team selections, and even on the bench, I like just once I'm in, I was involved, I didn't I didn't mind, but um, yeah, it was great. Got a good run. I got four, I think five matches on the on the on the on the, on the, on the trot. Whatever I don't, I don't even look at the stats now to be honest with you, but it, yeah, it was fantastic and confidence was high. As you say, the results weren't always going our way, but I think we were winning more than we were losing at that time. So during that phase of the season, I mean, I know it wasn't a great season, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was fantastic for me. It was just like living the dream. And what would you say just to kick it off in terms of your favourite position? Did you would you preferred? Staying at left back, or was you happy to be more of a, a left midfielder and bomb forward? Yeah, more? no, uh, uh, I think left midfield was more my thing. And once they signed Tony, Tony Dorigo for left back, mm. and playing in front of him was an absolute dream. Oh, it was just fantastic. And I thought we, we connected quite well. We thought we had a good thing going on the left hand side again. Uh, who knows? It could have been brilliant. But I thought, yeah, because I was, I'm just an attack minded uh, uh, player. I think left side of midfield was probably my 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 go to position. Yeah. What was Tony like to work with? And, and oh, he was a dream. He was an, yeah, absolute gent, an absolute gentleman. Um, I don't know if you've had him on the podcast. Yeah, but, we uh, had him on the show uh, last year. Yeah. He's just a he's, I, I, we we just we just hit it off really really well. Once he arrived at the club, it was he was fantastic, and I got on really well with him. And uh, yeah, just a, just a joy to work with. And a superb footballer, like absolutely brilliant. England international, like pure class. Now, the next season, it started off well for you. Your first appearance that season, you scored in a 3-0 win against Luton. Yeah. At this point, you know, you've, you've had a full pre-season now with Chelsea. You're still part of the first team set up. Yeah. What was your feelings sort of going into this particular season was it a case of starting more games and having a good run in the side and to progress yourself as a footballer what were your overall ambitions yeah I think uh, I think you hit the the nail on the head Keith those three things were exactly my thought process going into that season start more games Mm. hold on to your position and try and uh get into a decent league position also. So yeah, absolutely. A great had a great preseason. I remember it well. It was grand. Um who knows what happened. And then had this, had got the goal against Luton. We absolutely bashed them 3-0 I think on the day and then had a a, a few games after that. But uh unfortunately things started to go a bit wrong after that. 
Well, I was going to say, you know, we've, we've had a few players from that particular season, from the 87-88 season. We've, we've had a few players come on and they've obviously talked yeah. about certain issues that were happening behind the scenes and issues that were obviously on the pitch with the lack of games being won. But yeah. you would appear, albeit from the bench, on, on a few of them. Did you have any conversations between this this period until when John Hollins left? Did you have any conversations with him about why you was sort of having sporadic appearances or yeah. appearances coming from the bench? Did you have any one-to-ones with him? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I was just like, just because I was last in kind of thing. I think I, I was just like in the, in the dark totally as to even what was going on behind the scenes. All the... the the uh, uh, crap, for the better, wonderful word, uh, that came out later, all the stuff that was going on, um, and the problems within the team itself. Like I did see problems in the team uh, from the outside looking in. Uh, when I got detached from it, it's easier to see that like some of the stuff that was going on amongst the players wasn't exactly, didn't lead for a happy family. So... Um, yeah, so no is the answer to your question. I didn't. He didn't let me. He didn't pull me aside and say, "Well, look, this is happening or that's happening." I absolutely, basically, ignorant about what was going on, unfortunately. Because at that time, Chelsea did have a lot of personality in that team. Yeah, and there was a, a quite a few egos in that side. Let's let's sort yeah. of put it mildly. Did you think yeah. that perhaps that if there was somebody? with all due respect, uh, uh, in terms of a leader that would have maybe sorted that out in, in the team? Or do you do you think the team lacked that particular leader to sort the egos yeah. out and to put that yeah, on one yeah. side and concentrate? Yeah, I do. Football? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember saying at one time, I thought there was too many clicks in the team. There was too many sections of different people who were friendly with other guys so, but I didn't. Ha- I couldn't become part of a clique because I wasn't that close to any one player. I was kind of outside uh, on my own, so to speak. So uh, again, that's why I was so uh, ill-informed as to what was happening uh, within the club or in the team that time. But you could see the almost. That's what I was talking about when I was outside. You could almost see, and I did say it at a team meeting. I could see the disintegration of the of the of the team just becoming little sections rather than. Uh, the communal. Now, since your arrival at Chelsea that we already established, Chelsea, you, you, know, you already mentioned Tony DiRigo, but they also brought in Clive Wilson as well. Uh, another fantastic player and a lovely man, yeah. Did these signings for you present a huge obstacles in you perhaps getting back into the side on a more permanent basis? Yeah. Or did you sort oh, of yeah. feel that you may have to either bide your time a little bit or... You know, what what kind of issues was there for you knowing that, yeah. as you said, Dorigo was there and now Clive Wilson? Yeah. No, absolutely. These guys were a threat to me. I knew I knew from day one that they would be. But I, I decided that I'd just, well, as you say, bide my time, do your stuff in training and then hope that something happens that whereby you get in the team. And it actually did happen at one stage where they moved Clive Wilson to centre midfield and they played me on the left and Tony played behind me. And that for me just worked. I thought it worked well, but again, uh, didn't work well enough, enough times for it to be a success, obviously. So they were constantly changing and changing. And eventually you could just see, Jesus, the, the 
relegation coming down the road, which was absolutely abysmal, yeah. Because I believe there was even times when you actually went into central midfield as well. Am I right yeah. in saying? In yeah, I did play. So... Oh, you know, it didn't happen many times, Keith. It was only a couple of times I played in there. Um, didn't do it badly, but um, obviously not good enough. Now, talking of positions, I've, this did actually flash up, and we did have Eddie on the show, funny enough, um, earlier this year. <laughs> right. The 31st of, October, yeah. 31st of October 1987, you came on from the subs bench to play in goal yeah. after Eddie picked up his uh, That's right. uh, latest unfortunate injury. It was against Oxford United. That's right. You did manage to keep a clean sheet, though, in I did. the 2-1 win. What was that like for you? That must have been different. <laughs> it was, I, uh, but I, uh, it wasn't. Uh, was it then? Yeah, it was very unusual for me at that time. Yeah, because uh, well, the reason he said it, Holly said he was putting me on was because I'd played uh, Gaelic football as a as a youngster all the way through school, so I, I at least would know how to catch a ball, <laughs> whereas the rest of the lads had never played, so. And plus the fact that I was getting on, I didn't really care. Now. I know it was a real novelty. It was a great uh, novel uh, uh, happening event, and uh, I got some ribbon afterwards in, in the in the bar. <laughs> yeah. At that point, did you again looking at obviously looking back now with hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. But obviously, you know that yeah. was obviously Eddie's last appearance. You've That's right. On, you've obviously had the issues, as you said before, about clicks in, in the squad. Yeah, you was you just sort of said it that you was happy to come on anywhere, anytime. Yeah, John Hollins lost his position as the Chelsea manager. Bobby Campbell came in. What was your sort of thoughts on this? Was you sort of pleased that John Hollins was relieved of his duties? Was there a little bit of issues in terms of players not happy that he left? And what 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 was sort of your thoughts on the situation? Well, uh, from a personal point of view, uh, I, I I knew this was going to be a disaster for me. Absolute disaster. Couldn't have been a worse uh, scenario because uh, he at least would have me involved kind of in everything. Uh, like I'd be training with the lads and maybe if I wasn't picked on my travel as a 14th man, at least there's isn't that involvement. But I could see once Bobby Campbell came in, my time at Chelsea was over. Like from the almost the first week there, I knew I was either I'm going to have to look for a new club, and that's that's the, for for a footballer that's the worst place in the world to be. It's it's actually the worst time I've ever had as possibly a human being, not just a footballer. It was the worst time I've ever had in my entire life. He was a I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but he wasn't a nice man. I'm guessing based on that reaction. He had no plans for you. It was just a case no. of telling you that you need yeah. to find a new club, right? I was I was training with the youth team. Right. Horrible. It was that season, of course, that Chelsea did get relegated through the divisional yeah. playoff. Yeah. We've had other players come on. We've had fans come on the, the podcast as well and tell us their sort of moments, what happened in that particular game. You know, fans sort of trying to invade the pitch and pitch, yeah. You know, again, yeah. it's the last time Chelsea got relegated. Hopefully, it'll be the last. We, we'll yeah. talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, you 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 was obviously on 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 the sidelines watching. Did you yeah. feel at that point that you need 
for for you as a as a footballer and as you just said as as a as a human being that you needed to get out of this environment oh i, I needed to get out sort of stay in england or go, go back home um, again, to Ireland? again i haven't i haven't thought about it but i was hoping to go home i absolutely wanted to go back i think at that stage um, I did get a couple of offers uh, from uh, smaller clubs in, in the UK, uh, but I, and none of them seemed um, as attractive as the one I eventually got, which was brilliant. But um, oh, just even thinking about it now, Keith, it just makes me feel so sad and just so lonely. I was It was the loneliest place in the world I've ever been. Now, I'm a very kind of... Um, social animal i like to be around people i like talking to people but you couldn't talk to anybody there's nobody i was just so alone it was ridiculous is this like, there's no your teammates as well oh yeah yeah absolutely they had their own problems like everybody has their own issues and when the shit hits the fan keith you want to see everybody withdraws into their own um whatever into themselves and uh, they've got this, they've got their own livelihoods to to try and sort out. So I can understand that, um, but it was just uh, oh, didn't get any support from anybody. I have to say that I was disappointed with that. And you felt no support from the club itself. Or you, oh you no! Mentioned, you mentioned no. Bobby Campbell, but even from yeah. above him, yeah, there was no, no. right. No. no. Obviously, with Chelsea, the got relegated during the second division. You didn't feature at all um, no. during that period, but you did no. end up leaving Chelsea in October of yeah. 88. You managed yeah. to go back to Ireland, yeah. to Derry City. That's right. £15,000. Yeah. So we discussed, and I'm, I'm assuming, the factors that led to this decision, but when you got the call from... From Derry, or did did Chelsea tell you that there was an offer from Derry? How how did you find out that Derry was interested, and how quick um, yeah, did the you, club, how quick did the you club, sign and leave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the club came to me. Um, I think it was Gwyn Williams who was involved in that at the time. Um, came to me and said uh, Derry were interested, and Derry were playing in a I don't know it was a European Cup match or a Cup Winners Cup match. In, in Wales, in Swansea or Exham or somewhere. So I got the train from London over to, to meet them. They said they wanted to talk to you. So I went and met the board, the dairy board. Deal was done in 10 minutes. It was it was a no-brainer on their side. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. I was so desperate to get out. I basically just gave myself away. I said, look there, I'm going home. I don't fucking care. Um, where do I sign? So that's I came back to London overjoyed and... Went in, I think, the following day. Packed up, packed up my bag, and just left. And I bet your girlfriend at the time, but wife now, yeah. was she yeah. sort of pleased that you was able to sort of come home? And well, she, was, yeah. she, she, she must was. have been, she must have obviously known of your struggles, yeah, at Chelsea and in London, yeah, and wanting you to be happy and to come home, yeah. I know, of course, she was delighted, yeah. But at least uh, I was glad. Uh, I had at least, well, I did have Angie to talk to when go during those very, very dark days. They were so dark. Like, I'd have hour long conversations with her, like, saying, What do I do? And she said, Oh, hang tough, hang tough. You never know, things might change. And we, I knew they weren't going to change. But then when the dairy offer came in, it just sorted out so many problems. It just sorted, sorted out every problem that I had. So, look, I was going home. They're a decent club, great manager. 
um, proper mo- well, uh, proper money eventually. So yeah, it was it was all it was all good in the end. And just put a bow on the time at Chelsea. Yeah. When you did leave, did you get any feedback, or did you hear from anybody from Chelsea that you was that you was leaving? Did no? Did you hear nothing from them? Nobody said a word. Oh, I think actually. Oh wait, I'm wrong. When I was going out with my bag, I had my bag over my shoulder. I was walking down the before all the new buildings were there. It used to be used to be a big long walkway out to That's the right. um, things out to the uh, the Broadway. That's and right. uh, I was walking down, and <laughs> of all people, Bobby Campbell comes past me, and he says, "Work hard." Wow. <laughs> Wow. So, so I said, uh, you could, you could, you probably um, know my response to that. It began with an F, and that was it. And I've never heard from Chelsea again. Your last interaction, your last yes, with them work hard. Was, was, wow. Yeah, it's so inhuman. It's so unfeeling. It's oh, horrible. But it's safe to say, though, that from that point, from the late 80s, you went on, you had a very good career in Ireland. You managed to win yeah. the championships. You managed yeah. to put that to one side and concentrate yeah, on your own absolutely. development yeah. and things. And yeah. you, you, you became yeah. a decent player out of it as well. Yeah, I did, ultimately. But uh, again, it wasn't. Uh, it was through my own hard work. Like I had a long way to come back to uh, from where I had been when I joined Chelsea, I was on top of the world, but playing playing well, winning um, league after league. We'd just won four in a row, league titles, and so it was a dip all the way. But it was a very lonely place. I, I feel sorry for anybody who has to be there. Really, do my heart goes out to them. I'm I'm very intrigued, John, by this. But if, so, in terms of obviously when you left Chelsea for the final time and you told Bobby Campbell where to go. Yeah. Basically. Psychologically, did it take you a while to get over? No, oh, absolutely, Keith. Months. 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 Because there was no, like if I, if, if I had been known about counselling, I would have gone to counselling because that's how bad I was. I really needed somebody to talk to. Now, right. again, Angie stepped into that role, thank God. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was so, it was, I was so low, it was ridiculous. Now, the manager at Derry did a great job. Jim McLaughlin, a personal friend of mine at the time as well. Fantastic job of building back up the confidence, getting me back to where I was. But it did take took me a few months to get going, yeah. But again, like people look at football people look at footballers, Keith, they see, oh, he plays for Chelsea. Everything must be wonderful. Like in their day, like the wages were were shit, you know. It wasn't well, they were for me. I know for some players they were getting obviously getting more than than others. So there was a right the the financial rewards weren't absolutely huge like there was guys in the city <laughs> investment managers or wherever they are getting absolute gazillions but it, yeah it was um it was a, it was a tough place to be but again i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have changed it though when when uh, the experience when holly was there and i was in the team and stuff you know nothing nothing beats that feeling it's just fabulous yeah and i suppose when you look back even when you signed for Derry and then when you signed for the clubs after that, that yeah. you took this point with Chelsea. Yes, it might have been a low point, 
but you learned from it and it was a case oh. of learning from your experiences, learning from mistakes and absolutely seen on the trading ground and yeah. Yes, I'm bringing all that experience. Yeah. You know, that would help you. Then when you became part of one of the elder guys in, in the, yeah. in the changing rooms, you was able to help the youngsters with that. Absolutely. In every regard, but not, not only, and I felt as well, Keith, um, which was even more important, not even on a professional level, at the football level, on a personal level, yeah. is, to, is to make them not feel detached. As soon as they're in, you get their name. You include, try to include them and try to include everybody as the same, not, not little detachments here, there and everywhere. And that was one of the main lessons I learned as a senior pro is that kids do look up to you and they do look for advice and they, have, they don't have anybody to talk to either. So that's a huge um, responsibility, I think, for, for senior players, uh, especially in the, in the professional game where it's even, lo- if it's even worse if you get bombed out of the team. Like, it's just madness. But, uh, yeah, it did. And I brought that, all that experience to bear, but mostly on a personal basis, not so much on the football level. Little bits and pieces, of course, that you pick up and you learn, but certainly on a, on a, on a personal level like, with your interaction with uh, youngsters. Brilliant. Well, I want to talk about current events now, if, if I can. And one particular topic that r- riles everybody up and some people hate it. Some people are still for it. And that's VAR. Oh. <laughs> what's, what's your view on the technology of VAR? Are, are you a proponent of it? Are you happy with how it's been used by certain in, individuals? Or do you feel that it just needs to be scrapped altogether and go back to how it was? Yeah, the latter. Just scrap it. Get the linesman to put his flag up when he thinks he is. And if he doesn't put his flag up, he'll know about it because he'll get dogs abused from the crowd. Part of the reason we go is to give dogs abuse to the linesman and the referee. It's part of the game. But VAR is just ruining the game. It's absolutely ruining. You have five minutes waiting for pictures or a decision that, that should be you can see. It's what are you waiting for? Make a decision. Yeah, oh, it's rubbish. I don't know where you sit on it. Where are you on it, uh, Keith? Goal line technology. For vi- oh, yeah, I did. That's I'm, not I'm fair. All for that. That's when not comes, fair. When it comes yeah. to uh, when it comes to certain decisions, I, for me personally, I do think that there's come a point where it's all part of a drama. That it's not a sport anymore. It's for yeah. entertainment purposes, and they're using uh, it as entertainment yeah. purposes. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's mess. It's Is it like? Yeah, the suspense of waiting for the decision, yeah. that kind of thing, like a, like a who done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 mess- for me. It's messing people about. I don't yeah. think the players enjoy it. The managers, I know, no. certainly don't enjoy it. And no. if I'm being brutally honest, you can see it even on lower league football. The fourth official yeah. on the touchline, yeah, you don't like it. No, because whatever decision is going to be made, the manager's just going to be t- yeah, give it to him, giving yeah. him an earful anyway. So yeah, I'd, for sure. So he's not going to win either way. Yeah. No, I mean certain decisions. Yes, it's, it is good. Certain offside decisions, I think, have, have been deplorable. But uh, unfortunately, I just think it's here to stay. I, I can't see it being scrapped. Oh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it will be scrapped, but I think they have to do something whereby the decision has to be made within thirty seconds. Yeah, like yeah. let's okay, whatever decision they make, be it wrong, right, or inside or outside, whatever it is, just 
just make it. But I would prefer to go back to, and I'd like, you know what I'd love to see as well? That if a fella's in an offside position and he's running, that the linesman puts his flag up immediately. He doesn't have to wait five minutes for him to see if there's an involvement about the player. Oh, please. It just, that Second my head phase in. of play. Get your flag next up. Next phase. Yeah, yeah, next phase. Like, and the centre-halves and, and centre-forwards running around like idiots for three minutes for no particular reason. Like, crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a no from me. That's a no from you. <laughs> right, got it. Speaking of shambles, I want to talk about the current Chelsea Football Club with you, John, if I can. Um, well, yeah, yeah complete and utter disarray in regards to the fan base. You know, listen, I know people are going to be saying that Potter's the right guy, and I get it. There's going to be a lot of people that say that he shouldn't have got the job in the first place, which I'm, yeah. which I'm in the camp of. But yeah. they're in a horrible position at the moment. Got some big games coming up. Where do you stand on Chelsea? I know, you obviously, you said you haven't sort of spoke to anybody through Chelsea at that point. Yeah. Have you yeah. been keeping an eye on their results? I mean, yeah. I, the, the results have been pretty shitty. To be honest, yeah. but have you been sort of well, keeping an eye on what's been going on with Potter and with the new ownership? Because this time last year, Roman was still in charge. You had Tuchel in charge at Chelsea, and everything seemed to be yeah. steadily okay. Now, complete change. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only uh, time I get to even talk about Chelsea is my 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 older brother follows them. He has a huge interest in them. He loves them. But um, I totally detached myself from uh, Chelsea um, when I left, pretty much. Yeah. Um, don't yep. look for the results. I've no interest in what they're doing. I don't care about them. <laughs> um, I know that's a bit harsh for you to hear, but uh, but that's just the way that my, I think uh, my feelings were so um, were so hurt. Uh, um, that I just said, oh well, that's that's fine, that's fine. So um, yeah, I know uh, young, uh, I know Potter got to get the job. I do know that from uh, from my brother Tommy, and he's. I'll just give you his his. He thinks he should be kept. He'll think he will come good eventually, but it's just a matter of hanging tough uh, with uh, with him, and I, he'll turn things around. But that's that's his opinion. So that's his opinion. That's, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. So yes, he should be kept. <laughs> Fair enough. I feel, I feel sorry for him, though. Do you do you not feel a bit sorry for him in the fact that he was probably well, he came from Brighton or somewhere, I think. That's it. Yeah, and it probably maybe could be a step, but that's been said of many many managers who started badly and then went on to be hugely successful. So I think the knee jerk reaction in in England and the UK in general. As you go through a good few, like you, you're not playing as well as you should be, you get knocked out of the Champions League. I know that's a huge issue, but you've got to give the man a chance. Like you can't just expect him to, to be genius after whatever how long a season he's been there or whatever. So I would say give him a chance. Social media hasn't helped. Uh, well, that's a, again, thank God I didn't never had to deal with that in my playing days. It must be an absolute nightmare for anybody in the public eye. Must be an absolute nightmare. And then you get all the the, the weirdos as well, giving it large. Yeah, and that's and that's the hurtful thing. Like they're just driving it, and they've nothing else to do apparently all day but bombard social media with their with their uh, diatribes. So um, 
Yeah, I feel I feel a bit sorry for anybody involved in, in the public eye uh, in this day, particularly footballers, because everybody has a different uh, opinion as to what should happen, who should be picked, what way should we play, even like tactically. <laughs> and it's the worst um, criticism that gets more noticed rather. Than well, empty vessels make the most noise, unfortunately. Yeah, that's all. It's all, that's always been the way. Like, but yeah, uh, we it's not as it as intrusive as it is in these days. Yeah, for sure. Final question, John, for from me today. We've obviously talked about your time at Chelsea. You've discussed yeah. your feelings on it. But just to, so based on this interview, how do you look back on your time at Chelsea? Um, I look back with a lot of fondness. Um, I made a, uh, I made some some good friends there, uh, like uh, Darren Wood, uh, Kevin McAllister um, was a good pal of mine. Um, uh, basically, well, those two lads uh, mostly. Uh, Gord Jury was again uh, kind of a, a nemesis of mine, but in a very kind of a, a friendly way, if you know what I mean. So we bounced off each other for obvious reasons. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I look at it with a lot of fondness. Um, I made some of the lads, some of the lads in the team are just fantastic people. They were lovely and lovely to be around. Great to train, great professionals, uh, uh, just fantastic people generally. So, yeah, with a lot of fondness, it's just. The way things ended, and it was a long time. It was, a, it was like it was a six-month dry into the end, and it just soured a lot of stuff. But now looking back, being having detached myself, and everything's over, and I don't have any involvement in football anymore. So, yeah, looking back, it's um, was with fondness. Well, John, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time, and you know, hopefully, enjoy your time watching Shamrock Rovers on a weekly basis and you know may i say just all, all, all the best to you keith thanks very much for having me it's a delight to talk to you and um, i do hope things improve for you as a as a blues fan for sure <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it'd be brilliant well, Listen, we are going great. to need it so thank you yeah yeah uh, well you never i tell you stick with him he'll be grand <laughs> Podcast Network.